0: Today's shiur, uh, we'll discuss the next two uh, midos listed in the Memches Kinyanim, uh, each of which are quite fascinating, and I think uh, certainly combination uh, should provide a very very interesting limud for us. Uh, the next midah that we're up to is referred to as Yishuv, and while the word is familiar to us, its intent in this context is a little bit ambiguous. Uh, And confounding or making this uh, confusion slightly more uh, is the fact that there are actually different girsa'os of the b'risa, different versions of it. Some say yeshuv and some say yeshiva. And we will uh, describe and review some of the interpretations of the mafarshim for each of the respective uh, versions of the text. So starting with the, the more predominant one, that we assume that the, this attribute is called Yishuv. So uh, Rashi here, as well as the Tiferes Yisrael and the Maharal, all say this refers to the idea of having concentration or focus when one's learning. Rashi uses the term Yishuv Hadaas, or the Maharal says that Yishuv Hadaas, im da'atom yushevet alav, ein yachol Right, the Maharal just elaborates on the point already made by Rashi, that it's obvious, the, or the elaboration of this, that you need Yishuv hadas, you need to be able to concentrate and focus when you're learning, and if you can't, then you won't be able uh, to learn. Uh, very interestingly, uh, this really dovetails with uh, an amazing, amazing uh, parish offered by the Tiferis Yisrael in Avos, but not in our parak in Kinyan Torah, but rather going back all the way to the uh, opening parak in Parak Avos Parak Aleph Mishnah Tedvav on the uh, famous uh, mission of Aseh Torascha Keva. What does that mean to make your Torah Keva? So in his second interpretation, uh, the Tiferis Yisrael there suggests it means Inyan Menucha, and what does that mean to rest? I say terascha menucha. That obviously doesn't make any sense. It's almost contradictory. We should be resting instead of working hard. So obviously that's not what the Tiferes Yisrael means. And he elaborates and he says menuchas hanefesh. Now what does that mean, menuchas hanefesh? So as you'll see, he basically explains it in the same way that the Mefarshim here in the sixth chapter in Kinyan Torah describe the idea of yeshuv. That is to say that a person uh, won't be able uh, to learn if there are all sorts of distractions, uh, loud noises, he says, shar yan any other noises or distractions, because all of these kinds of things will uh, distract him and prevent him from really truly understanding, uh, let alone remembering what he actually learns. But instead... What do you need? This menucha sanefesh, or what we're calling yeshiva. That is to say, or yeshuv. He has to have the ability to think, to ponder, it has to be quiet. Because those things will help you not only understand the learning initially, but they'll help you. a practical matter, he advises. Um, you should learn in a big expansive room, a nice room in with lots of windows, and you should lose nice Svarim, a safer domain, the das Really a sensational interpretation. He says all these you could say superficial or external things. How big the room is, how much light, how much air there is in the room, how nice the quality of your svarim are, all of things things contribute to your menuchas ha-nefesh, or as we're saying here, your yishuv hadas, your yishuv. And all of those things, uh, perhaps seen initially as external, but in, sincerely and in fact, will actually help uh, one's learning. The keser rosh, which is a collection of uh, Elections from the Freyam Valashner and the Villain and Os Nunbet uh, quotes the Graz saying that it's better to learn in a faraway place, uh, not so much in the big cities, so that there are no distractions. And uh, as I often point out to perspective Talmidim, certainly when you look at the model of the European yeshivas, all the great yeshivas that we're familiar with were all basically in very little shtetlach and smaller suburban uh, hamlets as opposed to the big cities. And uh, certainly the overall idea, I think, is very interesting and insightful for us, and specifically some of the descriptions that we just mentioned from the Teferis Yisrael, uh, certainly if you're familiar with the Gush base medrash, uh, ring very, very true, Uh, not only the expansiveness, but uh, the windows, I'm not sure if there's a base medrash that has more windows uh, than the Gush base medrash whatever the intention of the original designers of the base Medrash, uh, perhaps uh, it was with this in mind, and even if it wasn't, it's certainly a wonderful unintended consequence that the overall light and expansiveness of the room potentially, hopefully, uh, will lead to the Yishav Adas, the Menuch HaSafesh, the ability to concentrate and to focus without distractions on one's learning. So that's the first interpretation. A second interpretation is offered by a number of the other Mepharshim here in the 6th chapter, Uh, the Medrash Shmuel in one of his interpretations, uh, Rav Yaakov Emdin, as well as uh, Rav Baruch Halevi Epstein in his commentary, the Baruch She'amar, and they say that Yishuv here means to be deliberate, not so much to be calm and not distracted, but specifically to be, so to speak, slow in deliberate, before you reach conclusions. Don't rush to answer questions. Consider possibilities. Uh, as we know from earlier, very famously in the opening Mishnah, of Avos, Hevi Metunim uh, Badin. Uh, Rav Yaakov Emden in his Lechem Shemaim actually makes this exact point, like the Medr Shmuel, like the Baruch Shemar, but he actually uses this with the girs of Yeshiva, and he understands that literally you should be sitting down when you really want to reach a strong and firm conclusion in your learning, especially if someone's asking you a Shailah and Halacha, you should literally be sitting down. Um, and the way he explains it, it's really the same thing as yeshuv. By sitting down, by having yeshiva, you will have yeshuv You'll be able to concentrate, you'll be deliberate, and you'll be able to give a, uh, a more thought-out answer. Uh, in general, in the laws of psak and Choshen mishpat, uh, you have numerous makoros uh, that make this point with a very specific Contemporary application. I read it in the Tumim in Choshe Mishpat and Simen Yod, and Herbavadja collects numerous makoros in this regard in his introduction to Yabiyah Omer. That unless the question is truly, truly obvious, and the Posek is asked something, it's always preferable to first look in Svarim before giving an answer and not just to rush to answer right away. Uh, that's a form of Heaven with Tunim in the contemporary time, uh, we have so much access to svarim, so there's no reason to answer a question without first looking at it. And this, again, correlates to this second interpretation from the Medr Shmuel, the Baruch Shamar, and the Lakham Shavayim, that yeshuv here refers to being deliberate. So we've had two interpretations. One, which is the ability to concentrate and not be distracted, quiet, good learning conditions for focus. And secondly, not rushing to conclusions and being deliberate in one's learning. Uh, A third interpretation, uh, also suggested by the Medrash Shmuel, uses the girs of yeshiva and sees it not in terms of the physical posture that you're sitting as opposed to standing, but sees yeshiva in the context of the way we colloquially use the term, to be in yeshiva. That is to say that, according to this second interpretation in the Medrash Shmuel, this midah here is saying it's important Uh, If you want a Kenyan Torah, not to be learning on your own, but to be in an environment like a yeshiva, an environment for intellectual stimulation, which will hopefully help you achieve a real growth. Um, He this is his interpretation of the Chazal in the second parakavos of Marba Yeshiva, Marba Chachma. And he says, If you have chaverim uh, and a Chabura learning together, so that is going to lead to greater clarity and more accurate conclusions in one's learning. In this regard, I'd like to point out that of uh, Hutner's collected writings, Igros Uksavim, in uh, Simon. Ayin Dalid. So he cites an interesting historical insight, which I was not otherwise familiar with, from Rav Chaim And he said that when Rav Chaim started his yeshiva, of course, Velazhner, the, the mother of the, all the modern yeshivas, uh, he made a change. And instead of referring to Talmide yeshiva, he referred to the students as B'nei yeshiva. What's the difference, says Ravutner, between Talmide yeshiva and Rav Chaim preferred B'nei ha-yeshiva? So he gives a very interesting answer, which is... Uh, adds a different dimension to uh, the role that a yeshiva can play. And he says this is really the difference between hearing lectures in a class from a professor and hearing shi'urim from a true rebbe. And what difference is that? So he gives a mashal of, it's the difference between uh, a nursing mother feeding her child or a cook preparing food of exactly equal nutritional value. A nursing mother is giving literally of herself To her child, as opposed to a cook who may be preparing food with great love, and the food may be very tasty and healthy, but all there is is a giving over of the actual substance of the food, not giving over of the cook, him or herself. Only a nursing mother is truly and literally giving over of herself. Similarly, says Rachel, said Rav Huttner in explaining Rav Huttner's decision, that's why he changed it to B'nai Yeshiva, because the Yeshiva shouldn't just be a place which, so to speak, prepares the intellectual food of the children, but rather is Yonik. The Mizonos to the to the students that is giving over of themselves the rebbeim the yeshiva is giving over of themselves of itself to the students they should be like a child uh, nursing from his mother and not just like someone getting food prepared for them and that is the significance and the importance of being in a yeshiva so that uh, yeshiva so to speak can become like a home the rebbeim like the parents. Uh, even in the not, not in a way that replaces the actual parents or home. That's not the point at all. Rather, for the time that you're in the yeshiva, it should be viewed by the rebbeim and just as importantly by the students that this is where they're getting their true yunika. This is where their rebbeim are giving over some of themselves and not just giving them material in some slightly more cold uh, technical. A technocratic kind of way, but rather truly giving over of their essence, uh, of their of themselves. And Rav Huttner, in the name of Rav Khan Velarjner, uh, sees that as something that's unique about the yeshiva. So whether it's the collaborative effort and the intellectual stimulation of being around other like-minded people who are also learning, I think that's an obvious benefit. That's what the mentor Shmuel has in mind. Or, or a footnote quotes from Rechaim Velazhener uh, that what makes a yeshiva unique, uh, and hopefully therefore the learning that happens in yeshiva, superior to learning outside of yeshiva, is that the Rebbeim are dedicated and truly see themselves as giving over themselves in the same way that a parent, and a, specifically a nursing mother, would do. Another interpretation, also working off of this alternate girsa of yeshiva, is quoted by the Machzor Vitri from the Talmidim of Rashi. The Machzor Vitri says that Yeshiva means to sit, as they would say in Yiddish, zitzin and learning, which is another way of saying you have to be a Masmid. Yeshiva, this attribute means you can't just you know come and go and have a good uh, hour here and a, a good seder there, but rather you have to really be a Masmid. You have to sit uh, and be diligent and uh, learn and use your extra time learning. That that's what's being. Uh, referred to here. We saw in one of the earlier shiurim that uh, other mafarshim also stressed the importance of being a masmid and diligence in one's learning uh, in interpreting other of the previous kinyanim. But uh, here the v'etri using the girseh of yeshiva understands that to be uh, this particular attribute. And last but not least, uh, as it comes to this particular attribute, um, is a completely, completely different interpretation, really, really fascinating, suggested by both the Tiferis Yisrael and the Baruch She'amar. We've quoted them both uh, earlier in today's year, because they both have initial interpretations, but both the Tzvats Yisrael and the Baruch Shamar, in their respective second interpretations, both say that here, uh, the Yeshuv that's being referred to is that a person who learns Torah, who wants to be Kone Torah, must have a connection, must be even an expert, a Boki, in Yeshivo Shel Olam, the ways of the world. Um, and this is you know, in a certain sense, uh, paradoxical, but completely different. Not being exclusively submerged and immersed in the learning, in the diligent sense, or the lack of distraction sense. But here, at the right time of a person's learning career, uh, it's dafka important, they say, for the Talmud Chacham to know what's going on in the world, not to be in the ivory tower, so to speak. Uh, just a few quotes, the Tiferet Yisrael says, that this means that, Shiyahe Baki bi shalolam, A person should be an expert, should really be familiar, literate, with what's going on in the world. Sciences and the like. A person should be familiar with what's going on in the world. Right? You can bring a Torah perspective to them and they will help your learning. It's a reciprocal relationship. The kulan kulan because everything is really interconnected with Torah. And uh, last but not least, by having this worldly uh, posture and being involved in the world, you'll be able to be relate to other people, you'll get along with people, which will indirectly be marbekvot shamayim, and also even more directly allow you to be mashpia on them. And this is really the same idea that uh, the Baruch shemar Baruch HaLevi, Epstein mentions that your ha your Torah should be lo zar bi yeshiva shalom. It shouldn't be a stranger to what's going on in the world. You should be able to be aware of and compatible and connected to what's going on in the world, as it says yafeh haTorab and then he adds uh, three words, which are, I think, very reminiscent of what we just saw in the Tzveras Yisrael, that if you have this posture, if you're worldly, if you know what's going on in the world, you can relate to people even outside the base Medrash, No saying kavod la Torah. This will bring Kovod Torah, and this is, of course, something that we are aware of in our very day, that there's a certain percentage of the population that sees Bnei Yeshivos as uh, isolated and separate and removed uh, from the goings-on in the world, from the concerns of the world, from the, the pressures and stresses of the world, and while to some extent that may be necessary, and in fact, some of the initial interpretations of this very attribute focus on the need for lack of distraction, for being, so to speak, out of the hustle and bustle, at least for a time. But in terms of an ultimate goal, I would like to suggest, uh, it's not really a machloket, um, as much as maybe different stages of one's learning career. Initially, perhaps there is a need to take a step back, to be immersed in the learning, but there should always be an awareness that ultimately the goal is not to remain uh, separate, but rather to... Be as they say, to be a Baki, to be able to relate to people, to bring the wisdom of Torah to the world, and that itself will truly, as was mentioned, be tenu kavod la Torah. Okay, uh, a second uh, attribute for today, a little bit shorter than that one, but uh, hopefully one that we can in, dig our teeth into as well, because it's also very interesting and uh, int- uh, important, is the next uh, attribute, which is known as Mikra and Mishnah even though both terms are mentioned, according to most of the Mafarshim, Mikra and Mishnah are actually one combined attribute in the list of the Memches, in the list of the 48. So in what way is Dafka Mikra and Mishnah, why are they specifically necessary for this list of 48 Kenyane Torah? So a number of Mefarshim, uh, notably the Medr Shmuel, make the obvious point that Mikra and even Mishnah proficiencies in these areas are necessary to becoming a scholar because these are the foundation for all Torah knowledge. Just like a house, you first need to build the foundation, then you can build the upper floors, so too you need first mikra, then you need mishnah, and only then can you get to gemara and even more advanced uh, things. Uh, Rav Avaji Yosef, in his commentary to Avos, the Sefer Anaf Eitz Avos, he makes the same point as well that Mikro Mishnah described the foundation, and he uh, specifically says that therefore, even when a, not only should Talmidim start off learning these things before they get to Gemara, he says that even when you're giving a Gemara Shir or a Halacha Sheir, the teacher should first teach the relevant sukkim with the Rashi, with the Maimare Chazal, with the Mishnayos, and only then get into the more uh, intensive and complicated and elaborate Gemara and the subsequent discussions. Uh, this point that Ravaja makes um, is very reminiscent for anyone who is familiar with the common Shir uh, style of rehearsal Shechter uh, of Yeshiva University uh, in his daily Gamar Shir and very often in his public shurim, even though he's often giving shurim on what will ultimately be very complicated and very complex and very practical uh, topics. Uh, which he eventually gets to, but very often he will begin even the most complicated topic from the beginning. It says in the Chumash this, Chazal say this, the Rashi quotes this, the Medrash says this, the Mishnah says this, and eventually then you get to the Gemara and the Rishonim and the Choramim and the Poskim. But very, very often, even with very advanced students, our Shechter always starts from the Psukim and the basic Mamari Chazal, and this is exactly what Rav Yosef suggests, in keeping with the Medrash Shmuel and their understanding of Mikro Mishnah here uh, as this next attribute. Uh, the broader issue um, of the importance of these two respective limudim, uh, mikra, tereshe and mishnah, uh, the building blocks of tereshe b'alpeh, uh, are both discussed very uh, approvingly in various midrashim and sources in Chazal. So for example, when it comes to the importance of learning Tanakh, uh, Chazal, both in Shmos Parsha Parshim as well as in the Medrash Tanhuma in Parshas Kisisa, uh, use a metaphor, a Medrash based on Chava, of just like a bride, a Kala is Mekushetet, with 24 mine Tachshitin, uh, 24 different adornments, uh, Kach Chacham Pikeach Be'esrim V'arba So to a Tachamad Chacham, can't, Ignore uh, the basic twenty-four svarm of Tanakh. He has to be a pikeach of the Zaris. He has to be an expert and really fully uh, fluent uh, in the twenty-four svarm of Tanakh. They are like the tachshitin that adorn uh, the Talmud Chacham. Uh, Similarly, when it comes to the importance of learning Mishnah, the Gemara in Sanhedrin Daf Membez and Menalef quotes from the Posuk in Mishlei Petachbulot Taselecha Milchama. In what way? Which clever ways are you going to have a melchama? So here, the Gemara understands the pasuk referring to the milchamta shel Torah. Uh, learning is often referred to as a battle, as a war, and you need tachbulos to be successful in the melchamta shel Torah. And what does that mean? Says the Gemara: Where will you find success in the melchama? yesh shel Tachbulos uh, comes from lashon chavilos in this. Uh, drash, obviously that's not the literal understanding of the posseg in Mishlay, but chazal here, homologically understand that it refers to chavilos of Mishnah, a person has to have uh, buckets, if you will, or packages, if you will, of mishnayos, be a bucky in the basic halachos of Mishnah, and then he'll be able to be successful in the hamilcham tashol Torah, and Rashi explains very obviously, because that way you'll know the foundation of what you are learning obviously al-tar-sheba starts off with the mishnayos um, it's worth uh, noting, just for a moment, that obviously Chazal speak about this uh, as an educational philosophy as well. Uh, the very famous Mishnah in Perkeiavos in Perkei Mishnah Chaf Ben Chamesh Shanim LeMikra, first a young child should learn Mikra Ben Eser LeMishnah. A little older, a young adolescent, a teenage Mishnah, and then Shlosh lemitzvos, Ben Chamesh Esrei, Talmud. And then when you find it a little bit more mature uh, after Gil Mitzvot, then finally to what the Mishnah refers to as Talmud. Uh, the Vilna Nagon in uh, Evan Shlema. Uh, is one of the Mepharshim who thinks that this is meant to be very dafka, very deliberate, and literally, that you have to go in order, first Mikra, then Mishnah, and then Gemara, and that if one tries to outsmart uh, Chazal, if you will, if you go out of order, it simply won't hold, it won't work. Um, the Gemara very famously has, has addresses this issue in Kidushin on Daflamid, which uh, Darshan is the possible, vishinantem levanacha, and it says, Al-Tikri vishinantem Ela... You should divide your learning into thirds. Um, a third with mikra; a third be mishnah, and shlish a third in gemara. And it doesn't mean, you know, a third of your life, you know, 30 years, 30 years, 30 years, because obviously no one knows if they're going to live to 90, 80, or 70, or who knows how long you'll learn. So rather, says the Gemara, it seems like almost every day your learning should be divided among these three. Now the truth is that uh, there's a big discussion in Rishonim what exactly the practical interpretation should be of this Gemara, of this advice. There are different interpretations. Some, in fact, say different stages of life uh, or different parts of your day some say actually there's refers first different times in history um, and some say that actually nowadays because of the, the Tosus Ashikosus that the Gemara Bavli is Bavulbal all of these are, are in one and the reality is of course we know that most yeshivas not necessarily yeshiva haratzion but most yeshivas rely on that third interpretation which is quoted in Rishonim the Archashokhan, among others, has a nice summary of this discussion. Uh, but there are different interpretations of this Gemara. But certainly, at minimum, even if one wants to minimize learning of Mikra or Mishnah, one would have to contend with the simple reading of the Gemara, which, however you interpret it, certainly highlights, if not always, then at least the early stage of life, of learning career, the importance of starting off with the right foundations of Mikra and Mishnah. However... Uh, cannot end here without noting that nevertheless, there obviously has been a not only a shift historically uh, with prioritizing Gemara, uh, but there is discussion even in Chazal which legitimates this, and this has been a, I'd say at this point it's somewhat dormant now, but historically, uh, this has been a little bit of a controversy. Uh, the Maharal, for example, at the end of, of our Mishnah, uh, is very upset. Uh, this is very famous from the Maharal that he noticed it noted that in his day in the world of Pilpul, uh, the Mikra, and especially and even the Mishnah, has been ignored uh, for excessive, if not exclusive, focus on Pilpul and Gemara. And the Maharal was very upset. He felt that we need to go back to what the Mishnah and what the Brysa are advocating. And a little bit closer to the modern era, uh, Rav Hirsch and Charev, for example, also quoting this idea from Perkyavos and Kiddushin, says, why has this system been abandoned? Why has it been perverted, uh, the way it's translated from the German, uh, which is obviously an even stronger term. So you do have uh, voices, I think they're in the minority, but voices calling us to go back to a more literal understanding of the priorities mentioned here in Chazal. On the other hand, Uh, it is important to to note there is one prominent source that is very much, uh, as we might say, throwing shade uh, on this idea, at least when it comes to Tanakh study, and that is the Gemara in Brasim, where Rebbe Yezer on his deathbed tells his students that You should uh, limit or prevent your children from studying Higayon. So what does Higayon mean? We would think that means logic or something maybe philosophical or even secular knowledge. Perhaps that's uh, some interpretations. But Rashi, there in the Gemara Brachos, in his first Pshat, the first Pshat Rashi quotes there is, Lo targilum bimikra yosir midai. That you should make sure your, stu- your students do not spend too much time learning Tanakh. So Rashi seems to focus on the amount of time, lo targilum yoser it shouldn't be too much. Uh, the Me'iri there in the Gemara has a slightly different interpretation. He says you shouldn't have superficial uh, learning of Tanakh. So that could lead a student astray. And the Nitziv uh, in, one of the, in a comment in his Parashah HaTorah, in the Ham he claims that this idea of superficial reading of Tanakh, that's really what Rashi meant. It wasn't about the time as much as how you learn Tanakh. And the Nitziv, uh, the Ham which we know is a collection of his shiurim that he gave on Chomish, uh, I believe they were daily shiurim, in Volazhin, arguably the most famous Rosh Hashiva in history, to give a regular uh, Chumashir, uh, the Nitzv uh, claims that this is really what Rashi meant. Uh, that is to say, yes, you should learn Tanakh, but it shouldn't be superficial in the sense of you shouldn't ex- rely exclusively on Pshat, but rather it has to be based on the interpretations of Chazal. Uh, Mikra, uh, divorced from Torah Shabbal Peh, from Chazal, that could lead a person astray. But otherwise, it could be in the right proportion, in the right state style of learning could be very appropriate and very uh, meaningful. Uh, Of course, there are other uh, benefits to Tanakh and Mishnah, but especially Tanakh, uh, not only as the basis of everything, you're going to learn a a Gemara Shira on Sukkah, so you start off with the Pesukim about the Sukkah, or the Pesukim about the holiday of Sukkah, but beyond that, uh, Rav Lichtenstein in particular uh, is very well known for stressing uh, the fact that in, uh, here I'm just paraphrasing from a Sikha he gave about 15 years ago to the overseas students in the yeshiva here, uh, that even though Rav Lichtenstein very much felt, and the schedule of our yeshiva reflects this, that the ikr is a Torah Shabalpeh, Gemara focus, but nevertheless, Rav Lichtenstein felt, even though it's secondary, but a secondary, is that Tanakh, as he said he, in this particular speech, speaks to the soul in a different way than other core texts of Judaism do, in terms of the element of our experience, our moral sense, our religious sense. There's something, the Darach uh, of uh, refining ourselves and giving us insights into human nature, into spiritual themes, which we can glean from Tanakh, which we might not be able to get uh, otherwise. Uh, but it would be you know disingenuous uh, to pretend that this is not somewhat controversial. And obviously, um, most yeshivas a very limited exposure to Tanakh, and even in a place like Gush where there's more, that's clearly still not the main Limud, but nevertheless one that can hopefully reflect the priorities that we've seen in the shear from Chazal, of the importance of the building blocks of Tar Sheba the building blocks of Tar Sheba and the moral and otherwise sensitivity that we can glean from these texts. What's the bottom line? Uh, the bottom line is that Kohelis Rabbah, Parsha zion says that a true Yari Elokim has it all. Has Mikra, has Mishnah, has Gemara, whether it's at different stages of life or different parts of the day, whatever is first or secondary. But the bottom line is to be a true Tamachach, a hero, true, true Yari Elokim, obviously one cannot become a Kara'i and forget Torah, but one also cannot become a reverse Karoi and forget Torah Shebich um, and this is really the conclusion of the Aruch HaShulchan, in Yeridea, and Hechaz Talmud Torah, Semen Reish Mem Vav. Uh, he, again as I mentioned, he, before, in the Gemara Kedushin, with Shlish of Limudav, so there are different interpretations uh, in the R- Rishonim, and the Aruch HaShulchan there summarizes all of them, but in the end he says, none of the various positions obfuscate the larger point, that in order to be a Talmud you need to know it all, how you do it, when you do it, this yeshiva does it that way, that yeshiva does it that way, uh, perhaps there's certainly room for uh, different approaches, but to think that one could be a Tama without knowing the Mikra and the Mishnah, so that is simply folly, runs counter to many sources, and runs counter to uh, the Brisa that we're studying, Memchas Kinyani Torah, which lists one of those 48 uh, Kinyanim as Mikra u Mishnah.